0: you
1: Your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends.
2: Just a trio of feathery, brethren, weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like
3: Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheila and Zach making it cooler than three penguins. till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some. Birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some. Birds with friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps. Things flapping their wings
2: on we're we're All I know with is that he has a
3: game where he don't read both
2: seven thousand. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. And, yeah, and so the
3: purpose yeah, of That's what um, I really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader.
4: How are you I'm well. I I enjoyed this week. Uh and yeah, you know, this is always this is a combination of free agency, which is a fun week for NFL reporters, and the NCAA tournament, which is always my favorite week. I got to see you in person, which is fun. So a lot going on with the Eagles this week.
3: Who do you have in this uh, Loyola-Ohio State game? I have
4: Ohio State, but mm-hmm. uh, I also – I had Kentucky in the Final Four, so you can probably imagine you know, the way I felt about my bracket last night.
3: Wow, you you, you went against your boys – uh, at michigan and you're picking ohio state what would what would young zach think of yourself
4: well you you need to go with your head and not your heart right mm.
3: so. okay uh before we answer uh some questions from the subscribers zach you you just uh, teased this in your tease for this room on twitter you said uh you're expecting another move today from the eagles can you uh, can you enlighten mm-hmm. us
4: as as much as I can. I'm I'm still working on locking down some details. I've heard some things are going on behind the scenes. I would imagine um that the Eagles uh add to their defense. Um sometime soon. I, I know a lot of the attention is on Fletcher Cox. You're being this very is, careful uh, this, here. This is good. Yeah. This is not uh this is not a Fletcher Cox move. This is a different move that uh i am expecting to happen it, it could very well come uh come out during the show in which case i will uh update okay, nice. listeners then but um it's it, 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 it might be too cryptic here
3: is this uh, a is this a is this a player uh that eagles fans are already familiar with how about that yes yes it's a player okay. eagles
4: fans are familiar with yes
3: okay well i think that's a maybe that's enough of a tease um for, uh, for now, let's go to some, uh, some audience questions. We've got a, a question from Casey. Casey, you are on the stage, my friend.
0: Hello, gentlemen. How are we feeling today? I'm doing
3: all right. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. Um, my first question is Eagles-related. Um, the second one is non. Uh, can you explain what the Eagles' rationale could be for missing out on the safety market? And the second question is, how do you deal as a writer with an editor who does not communicate back and forth?
3: Oh jeez, that's
0: uh, a very a specific, specific question. question.
3: <laughs> thank you for the uh, thank you for the question, Casey. Uh, well, I would say that uh, we are fortunate to have editors who who do communicate back and forth, right, Zach? Have you Absolutely. had that experience in the past?
4: No, I I, I have not. I I've, I've actually I. In in my experience I've had editors who communicate like I don't want to say over communicate, yeah, but but like yeah, a, a lot of communication, not none they very seldom under communicate.
3: I would say I I, I guess I, I Casey is gone now, but I guess there's a difference between like communication about the way in which they're like editing your story. What what are you writing about and like assigning you stuff? Uh I do I do like to be like uh in the in the know about if they're changing things in the story itself but otherwise otherwise I haven't had that issue. Yeah I was yeah, uh a- what about what about safety Zach? Um yeah I mean I we, we talked about it on on the article we did uh the free agency reset whether or not we would have matched the you know the the Marcus Williams deal uh I guess relative to the Hassan Reddick deal. Um oh. I, I was surprised that the Jordan Whitehead deal was a little bit uh lower <laughs> Than expectations, I think that might have made sense for the Eagles. I think they could still jump in on a, you know, a Terrell Edmonds potentially, but um, it seems like they're they are uh, complacent enough to to stick with something close to the status quo there.
4: Yes, I I do think they were aggressive, active early on in, in
3: Zach, you sound season. very far away.
4: And I'm on my AirPods, so I shouldn't be.
3: I think you uh, yeah, you sound um underwater. I would say
4: underwater okay let me let me try something up here is this better
3: uh, it's not much better
4: all right uh sorry about this um we're just gonna use the phone
1: that's and not all right
3: gonna... well how about i bring on another question while you try to get that started out yeah okay let's go, okay, to, let's charles go to charles p. Charles, p. p charles how are you doing very good gentlemen so i'm very concerned about the wide receiver position. I don't want to see the Eagles try and draft another one. I want to use all three of those picks for defense. Seems like one wide receiver is going after another, uh, you know, Allen Robinson being the latest. Uh, I, I don't know there was a report that the Eagles were not in on Juju uh, Schuster-Smith or Smith-Schuster, um, but I'd like to see them get somebody, maybe a trade for Robert Woods now that he's out on the uh, Mark trademark. Zach, you go ahead because it's not uh, it's not you, it's me. So I'm gonna try to <laughs> gotcha. find earbuds for myself.
4: Okay, all right. Uh, is, is my audio. Okay, now by the way. Yeah, your uh, audio is um, good.
3: It was it's my it's my speaker that's uh, Fakakta.
4: Okay, all right. So a few things here. First off, uh, let's discuss. Um, I'll address the safety thing real quick. I think they they were in on the Marcus Williams market, but I think the bidding was a little high there for them. You know, I imagine they had. A number. Um, they probably sniffed around elsewhere. I don't know if they were as displeased with their internal options last year as maybe the general public was. We can have that that debate, but I I I would imagine they're kind of on the the next tier of safeties right now, and um and, and, and there could be some some resolution there coming. As far as wide receiver, uh, the question was Juju Smith Schuster, correct? Um, Yes. And, And uh, yeah, so, look, that that could be a a matter of price. I I don't know if that was the top priority. Clearly, the fact that that nothing has happened there yet would suggest that wasn't. Um, I did see that report on Allen Robinson. Uh, I think that would have been a good move for them to make. Uh, With that said, you know, Los Angeles is obviously an attractive situation, and that seems to be – uh, I don't know if, if the Eagles would have out, outbid them there. I don't think the Eagles are going to keep the status quo at wide receiver. I expect them to add somebody. But uh, you heard Calvin Ridley earlier on in free agency, uh, you know, obviously before the suspension. Christian Kirk is someone. I I think that's the type of thing where they'll, they'll see about price and, and market.
3: We lost to Charles. I'm sorry, uh, but but to stick on on wide receivers, to me it's like you know uh, somebody somebody good would be nice, uh, like somebody of the of the Christian Kirk or or Allen Robinson variety. But they also just really need somebody competent. So even if it's even if it's like something disappointing like Zach Pascal or like Sammy Watkins or something Look at like that. Zach Pascal shade. Yeah. Uh, well I think that would be like if you're if you're an Eagles fan and going and like hoping for a big upgrade at wide receiver and all the Eagles do with Zach Passville, you're probably disappointed. But I think that's fine heading into the draft because like just just pushing Jalen Rager down uh the depth chart so that you don't have to rely on him to be a part of the offense. Like they have nobody there. They you know, they brought back Greg Ward, but but uh Greg Ward's numbers are uh, you know, pretty low relative to the rest of the league. So like just just somebody competent uh, heading into the draft, so that they don't have to force a pick in the first couple rounds, I think is important. So um, I'm I'm less concerned with like missing out on the top of the market there than than I am at uh, at safety. I would say.
4: Yeah, I I would agree. I, I I think they're gonna have ample opportunity in the draft to add to that position. Um, now it's something we can discuss probably in these next few weeks as as well. My understanding is they weren't looking for that prototypical X receiver. They were looking more for kind of a slot who can move around such as christian kirk uh and i think that that they could really benefit from like a big physical x receiver on the outside
3: all right let's go back to the uh the phone lines i guess quote unquote as it were let's go to rohit rohit did i pronounce that correctly
2: yeah yeah close enough
3: okay (laughs) what might be
1: accurate (laughs) it's it's Uh, rohit 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 yes
3: Okay. Got it. Uh, yeah. What's your question, Rohit?
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to get your take on what do you think it would take to get Howie Roseman fired? Uh, I know he's just got extended. So like what what, what kind of like outcomes do you think it would take to actually get him removed from his job?
3: Well, I think it's an interesting question about the uh, – we, we talked about this a little bit offline yesterday on, on the contract extension. And I feel like if you are in the camp that wants – howie roseman replaced as the eagles general manager like the uh the contract extension is not a big deal right like um he's going like he's not going anywhere now he's entering the final year of his deal you don't want a general manager like incentivized to operate on a uh a short-term window anyway like you want him thinking long term and if the eagles were ever going to replace him like the, the contract status is not going to be an impediment to that um as for like what it would take, um, like maybe another swing and miss on a quarterback, or just like I mean two two seasons in a row like like 2020. What do you think, Zach?
4: I would imagine regression. Like if if they're drafting in the top ten uh, based on their results in like two seasons, then I would imagine yeah like another downward regression. I think that would be what it takes, but I, I, I don't think that he's like, he's obviously not on the hot seat. He, he just signed a contract extension, number one. And number two, um, I think that, that they're pleased with his performance. Like like Jeffrey Lurie indicated that last year. And I, I would objectively say he had a really good offseason last year. I mean, they have three first round picks this year. Uh, their cap situation's a, a little better. I, I, I think they, they, they did decently in the draft a year ago. Um, so to get now, you can't absolve them from where they were a year ago. Their contracts and their decisions put them in the mess that they were trying to get out of, but they did an admirable job getting out of that mess. And now I, I, I think his kind of future will, de- will be determined by how he does this stage of the building. If there's regression, then that's a problem.
3: All of that said, Rohit, if you have a, uh, resume for us to pass along, uh, send it our way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, add me on LinkedIn.
3: Okay, you got it. Thanks for the call. Call? I guess I'm calling it a call. It's, that's, it feels like a call, but it's. Well, I don't know. I don't know what else you would call it, Zach. A drop-in? An, an I, audio
4: room drop-in? Yeah, you know, I I think I I said this in in previous ones. Having grown up listening to sports talk radio, this is this is pretty exciting taking calls. I I want to hear the first time, long time, from our listeners.
3: All right, well let's go to Jackson C. Who is uh, who is on the line, well, as it were, Jackson? How are you? Thanks,
5: guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Zach, obviously, this would be a great chance to to jump into ZB and the Wolf here. If we're doing uh, if we're doing talk radio, that's exactly um, right. But uh, I'll be quick. I think um, I just wanted to ask, regardless of um, anyone's opinions about whether or not you wanted to bring in um, Deshaun Watson or uh, Russell Wilson, do you guys have any thoughts on? that it seems like we've had confirmation that two top quarterbacks back-to-back, you know, waived the Eagles in a sense. They kind of noted that we they didn't want to come here. And, you know, whether or not um, you think, I mean, I, I personally think that we're kind of in a better shape than some of the rosters that they chose over the Eagles, such as, you know, the Falcons or the Saints. So just that question.
4: Sure, I'll, I'll I'll jump in there. You know, everything is, is a case-by-case basis. Um, I, I I don't think the Eagles roster would be more attractive to a prospective quarterback than the Saints. The Falcons, I, I think the draw there is probably the hometown, right? And uh, um, there are a variety of, of reasons why someone picks a team. Now, where I, I would agree is I don't think the Eagles are viewed around the league as like a destination team right now. It's pretty quick to change that from a football perspective, if, if you win, look at Buffalo right now. Von Miller went to Buffalo, right? Uh, I mean, I think the contract has something to do with it, of course, but people want to play for Buffalo because they're on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. If the Eagles are on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. I, I think some of those veterans would be knocking to come in. The Eagles aren't at that stage. Uh, so unless you're you're one of these markets or franchises that's viewed as as like the destination franchise, then a lot of it's determined by just the success of the team, and that tends to be cyclical.
3: All of that said, uh, I do think that like Jeffrey Lurie probably takes this as a bit of a blow to the ego. Like I think he and Howie Roseman like to think of the Eagles as uh, a destination franchise, and I think they are probably disheartened to some degree that uh, they are not considered as such by by some of the uh, players in the league.
4: I would probably say more the well in in Russell Wilson's case, right? I think I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think that's probably right. Yeah, like if if Deshaun Watson chooses to go to Atlanta, uh, my guess is it's it's because that's that's where he grew up. Well, it's up, not right? that he's
3: choosing Atlanta over the Eagles. The the, yeah. the reports are that he's like he's he's not interested in the Eagles at all.
4: Yes, and, and 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 that's kind of the sense we got. And I I suppose that that could be problematic, but he's also someone who had options, right? I I think. Uh, you know, we, you you hear this a lot in in all the sports. I mean, Bryce Harper obviously chose to come to Philadelphia, but a lot of times Philadelphia isn't viewed as a premier uh, free agent destination. And the star players are are those who are drafted and retained.
3: Mm, there you go. All right, Nathan B. Nathan B. Asking questions. Hi, fellas um my question is do you guys think there are any trades coming for the eagles uh in terms of outgoing like andre dillard is he still a potential mm-hmm. trade candidate and what might that compensation look like and i'll uh take my answer off there you go is that it'd be pretty funny if the eagles uh re-signed fletcher cox and then traded him <laughs> yeah.
4: the fletcher cox thing's hard to <laughs> hard to kind of make sense of um yeah, you want to jump in on Dillard there?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's possible. Um, my my sense is that um, there might be a better chance of Dillard being moved after the draft, uh, after teams like with holes on the offensive line at tackle are like unable to fill them in the first round or two, um, and then you're trading him for a, a 2023 pick. Um, either that or, or like after free agency um, settles down, there are still a few veteran tackles starting caliber who are out there. Um, I don't know. Like it's, it's a tough call for the Eagles because like they need a swing tackle. Lane Johnson is not um, the picture of uh, durability a hundred percent. Like he's, he's 30 years old and he's missed games in, in like each of the past what, three seasons. Right. Um so then you need another starting caliber tackle. Now, maybe they think Jack Driscoll can do that. Uh, maybe they think they're going to address that in the draft. Maybe uh, they love Brett Toth or, or LaRaven Clark. But um I to me, it makes sense to move Dillard if you can get even like a, a fourth round pick, I think. But if you bring him back, then you risk like you're not getting anything for him and you are maybe getting a comp pick for him in 2024. Uh Either that or you think that, like eventually he can move to left tackle, and Miala moves to right tackle to replace Lane Johnson. But then you're paying Jordan lot a ton of money to be a right tackle. I don't know.
4: Yeah. So Cameron Irving was traded after year two, first round pick, similar range of of the of the draft. I think he was 19 overall, and he was dra- he was traded after two years for a fifth round pick. Right. Uh, I think if you can get a fifth rounder, that that's worth taking. Um, now, Andre Dillard should be appealing to teams who miss out on, on left tackles. If you had a good draft grade on Andre Dillard coming out uh, the, the fact that you get him for what, two and a half million this year, which is that's essentially what you're paying like for the writer first refusal for Nate Herbig. I mean, that's real good value. If he's your starting left tackle. Uh, So, and if he's good, then you can either tag him or resign him. And if he's, and if he's bad, um, you're probably still getting better than expected value of a fifth round pick. So I would think a fifth round pick and you would like to get a fourth, but you would settle for a fifth. Do You think a fifth's too low?
3: I think the most likely trade, if it were to happen would be like Dillard on a pick for a higher pick.
4: I like that. Like okay. on the, draft
3: weekend. You know what I mean?
4: The, the reverse Tim Jernigan deal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. I like that.
3: Yeah. Like you move, you move up like 20 picks in the third round or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to uh, David H. David Halberstam, so good
6: to have you on the show. Uh, What's up, guys? Uh, I got got two for you, if you don't mind. Uh, The first one, I'm I'm curious, like, the level of feel or grasp that you have on, like, what Jonathan Gannon values or the type of players that he likes. Like, I have a specific example for this. Like, with the two... Georgia uh, defensive tackles, like, Mm. historically under Schwartz, like, it would be Wyatt, like, 100%. Like, that's right Right. up the Eagles alley. Now, with the light boxes that Gannon likes to play with, like, I kind of feel like Davis might be, like, the better fit. So, I'm just wondering, like, in general, do you know what type of players, do you have a feel on, like, what he wants and where he would like to assets allocated to help him out is my first question. So I think uh, specifically a defensive tackle,
3: my sense is that it's, it's less about what he wants and more about what uh, is different in the room. Meaning like, to me, I think Jordan Davis uh, gives them something different than they have uh, with, with Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams and, and Fletcher Cox. As somebody who can just be like a pure nose tackle and then free things up for those other guys. Whereas Devontae Wyatt's probably a little, a little bit more duplicative. Now, I don't know if, if maybe that is what they want, but, but, uh, water gun to my head, I would say it's more likely they would take, they would be interested in Davis to give them something different there. What do you think, Seth?
4: So? Yeah. Now, I, I, I would agree. And, you know, I, I remember being at dinner with you and a few others at the senior bowl and we were Very talking cryptic. about. And we were talking about Jordan Davis and I was like, why can't he be a good pass rusher? Like, just because he's the size of a prototypical nose tackle, what suggests that he can't rush the passer? Um, and uh, I, I think that um, he, he, he's been, you know, this was before he put up those those numbers at the combine. I think he's being typecasted a bit. I think he he has the tools. He has rare size. I don't see why he he can't be a a productive pass rusher for you. Um and uh Well because he
3: hasn't been. I it,
4: yeah, I mean, answer, I, mean right? I I think that's 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 more the product of of the defense that he's coming from um and the role that he played in that Georgia defense. Uh but I I he's a guy I would gamble on now. Wyatt's also like a a really special player. And, you know, he's not someone – he's someone who Bo the ageist would have an issue with because I think he's, what, 24 already or going to be 24? I'm out. Uh, but Jordan Davis – to me, Jordan Davis is – he's he's someone who's really hard to find, and I I would be interested in him. That's question number two, David.
6: All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the answer, guys. My, my second one uh, is does revolve around Howie Roseman. Uh, full disclosure i am a howie supporter uh, i think he does a, a pretty good job uh, now the question on Howie is if and when whenever it might be if the Eagles are able to get their hands on a you know a top an elite quarterback top six or seven quarterback do you what big, big if um but if that were to happen, like, what's your confidence level around Howie's skill set as a general manager to be able to capitalize on that and keep Super Bowl windows open and and just perform better than other organizations who have had long stretches with elite quarterbacks and, you know, come out with like one Super Bowl out of, you know, 10, 15-year stretch or more. Um, So, yeah, that's basically what's your confidence level and how we – if we do finally land an elite quarterback that he'll be
4: able to
6: outperform that. Thanks for the question, David.
4: Yeah, I would just say that if if you're in a situation where you have a a top six, seven quarterback, like you said, and – you want a Super Bowl, and and your concern is about kind of the maintenance <sighs> stage of it. That's a good problem to have, given like 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 where they are now, right? Um, you know, if, if you're talking about how Howie can do with a top quarterback, um, that requires getting that top quarterback, which is tough to do in the situation that the Eagles are in at the moment. So if they're in that spot, I would give Howie enormous credit. Now, anecdotally. I I I I don't think he did well in the maintenance stage after they won their previous. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yes. saying.
3: Is that they thought they had a top yes. six, seven quarterback. Mm-hmm. They won their Super Bowl, and what they did over the next two seasons was just bring back the same old guys, and and try to extend a window yes. without like refreshing it. Um. So I mean, I, I would hope that he would have learned lessons from that. I'm not saying he he can't do it in the future, but uh. The one time he had an opportunity to potentially have that situation it didn't go
4: very well yes you are right now you know if if they have a top seven quarterback and they win a super bowl i don't think all of a sudden you say all right how you're out the door. right exactly yeah he because... I mean, gets
3: if he, he gets that quarterback and they win a super bowl and nobody's coming for his job yeah
4: exactly so but... yeah so i'm i'm fascinated to see what would happen if that happens
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
3: All right, Joe P. Joe Person, you want, we're talking about Panthers. Oh, I'm on stage. Uh, You're on stage, Joe.
5: All right, uh, long time listener, second time caller, so thank you for taking the question. Um, if I could, I'd love to kind of take our eyes to the draft. And so, given the, the relative conservative approach the Eagles have taken with free agency so far, what do you think the odds are that they actually utilize all of their draft capital? Four first-round picks versus, uh, you know, trading back uh, or swapping picks with another team.
3: I would be pretty surprised if they make all three first-round picks, especially where they are without without moving around or trying to move back a little bit. What do you think, Zach?
4: Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if, if if they draft three guys. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, if they draft guys in the original spots. I do think they're going to try to move back, and I do think they're going to try to add 2023 capital. Which I think is fine, I think that makes sense
3: oh oh, I'm sorry Joe i I, uh, I thought we were done with you <laughs> next job you can you can hop back on the queue uh, for that second question. We'll go to Ryan C now Ryan C how's it going? Hey can you hear me yes uh yeah, I was um during the combine I saw Nit Siriani like go around the press and do all these interviews and it, just seems like over the past year, his image has been more positively received than it was like last year. Like the reactions to the rock, paper, scissors, definitely like, like basketball things. Those are kind of like
6: the basketball thing was kind of praised and he was like shooting hoops on the NFL network. So I was wondering why you think that is. Is it, has he gotten better or has we, have we just like found out
3: that he's not like a fraud or something? Uh, I mean, I think part of it is because he had a good year, uh, like, you know, the Eagles exceeded expectations. No one thought they were going to make the playoffs. He had uh, m- more wins than any of the uh, first year coaches. Right. Um, and I, I, right. Um, and, and I think the other thing is he has just gotten more comfortable um, in in the media uh, and sort of being himself. I mean, that that introductory press conference was was like a, he was sort of put in a tough position. Like sort of standing up there in the empty auditorium, even though it was virtual, uh, like reading a prepared statement. It doesn't. It, it's not really the way that we have seen him uh, communicate. Well, since then, so um, I mean, he's still prone to the occasional uh, like funny ad lib, but but I, I think he's he's settled into the uh, into the role.
4: Yeah, I think uh, more exposure to him has been beneficial. I agree with what Bo said about that first impression. And I, I think that he's someone who uh, people find endearing when, um, you, you know, the more exposure that they have to him.
3: Thank you for the question, Ryan.
4: Nope. I keep doing that.
3: I keep I keep taking people off when they're uh, ready for a follow-up. Steve Which needs- is the
4: opposite of how you usually are on, on the phone, right? You said that on a previous podcast that, that you're a, a lingerer. Like you say goodbye and you're still around 45 minutes later. That's correct, yeah.
3: Uh, So, Steve H., you've got about 50 minutes uh, of our time. All right. Uh, So, two
5: questions. Uh, With the current state of the team, you have a guy like Fletcher that, uh, well, not right now, but that's in decline but is potentially going to get big money. Is that money better used towards someone like Matthew at Safety, you know, who's also a little bit on of a decline but is going to get overpaid either way? You know, what's a better use of resources? And second quick question to Zach are you currently lobbying the team to bring in Matt Ryan just so you guys can get
3: some ball? <laughs> I'm telling you, if they trade for Matt Ryan, I am doing the oral history of your acting against him.
1: Um,
4: so I, I don't know if, uh, if Matt Ryan struck me out. I played against Matt Ryan multiple times. Uh, or, or I, I remember playing in the game that he was pitching. All right. It, Cause there weren't that many times when I was able to get at, at bats, but I, I remember that game, um, whether he was the pitcher or not, it could be one of those things where like I, I conflated a few stories, but he very well might've been, if anyone can dig up the box score from the spring of 2003, Germantown Academy versus Penn charter, the game was at Germantown Academy. Um, I was over one that day. If you can find out who the pitcher was, uh, that would be helpful. Uh, but uh in, in all seriousness, though, I think Matt Ryan's a really good quarterback, and I think he would be an upgrade. I just don't know if at the stage that the Eagles are at, that's the direction they should go.
3: And what was the first question against you? Uh, just oh, the, the, Fletcher Cox the team makeup. Yeah, like it
5: overpay for Fletcher, who's on the or overpay for someone maybe like Matthew. Or-
3: yeah, I find this whole thing very confusing. And uh, if the report that the, the Eagles like are going to bring him back on a one-year, $14 million deal with uh, incentives to get all the way up to the 18 that it was, like, I don't think that's a good move. Um, like, w- was, there, was there a lot of outcry yesterday when the Eagles first released Fletcher Cox, like they were making some big mistake? I, I feel like there's a bit of a miscalculation there, and I totally agree. Like, I would much rather... Uh, even if it's not spent it on Tyron Matthew, like I'd rather uh, spend like half of it on uh, William Golston or something like that. And then half of it on a linebacker um, or, or another safety. Uh, I mean, Fletcher Cox has been the, probably uh, the best player on the team over the past decade, right? Like he is awesome. He is a, he is a, as a franchise player, like uh, one of the best players in franchise history. But right now he's not that impactful, and if you were if you are able to get out of that money, I, I feel like that money is better well spent than just
4: paying him fourteen million dollars. Yeah, I don't know why you would uh, uh, do all this gymnastics taking on the cap hit and then just resign him for fifteen million, right? Like uh, to me, I find the whole thing very bizarre
3: and a little it, bit like and a little bit suspicious.
4: Exactly, uh, you know, to me, like if if it's one thing if, if you're bringing him back at, like, a very low number. But at that number, you can sign in to as as you said, you can sign two, three starters for that a number and probably not um, – you know, I, I think you'd probably improve as a defense, frankly. So uh, that – it kind of befuddles me if that's what the contract is after doing these gymnastics.
3: And it's interesting because, you know, we have – Talked about like one of the mistakes of the past four or five years for the Eagles has been, and Howie Roseman has admitted this, like the the sentimentality towards uh, towards their own players, and like bringing him back for 14 million dollars, that just feels like a sentimental move to me.
4: Yes, I I, I mean agree. no one else is no one else is willing to pay him that right like that's the whole I point. I agree. Um, and and on the on the Cox point, I saw Joe Banner made the reference on Twitter today that if they weren't going to bring them back, like they would have done a bigger rollout. And that's something I mentioned in our yeah. email exchange, right? Like the fact that, you know, I I kind of made the joke in the media room last night that Jason Avant, John Dornboss, they got like, statements from jeffrey laurie you know eagle you know john dornboss was on the eagles float after after they traded him i feel like like yeah chris long might have gotten one of those yeah like if if if, if that's how you say goodbye to fletcher cox that would befuddle me so i do think that there's that they that there's um you know there's a good chance that he's back but once a guy's free you never know just certainly it certainly seems to be trending in the direction of him returning
3: now, Steve, are, do you have a, a final thing to say? I don't want to cut you off.
4: Again. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, thanks,
3: guys. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we go to Thomas H. Now.
5: Hey, guys. Uh, first time, long time. Mm, well, um, very happy to have you. No, delightful to be here. Um, two related questions. Uh, what I assume is Bo's burner account, Honest NFL, has been talking about a change. <laughs> in the uh, scouting and drafting process before last year's draft. Do you, do either of you have any sense about what that change in process was and can describe it in greater detail? And then secondly, do you have any sense about whether uh, analytics and coaching (laughs) and scouting are working uh, together better now than when the three of you wrote your uh, massive, uh, expose uh, last off season. Thanks.
3: Good question, Thomas. Um, I would say just to start that uh, I think things are always going to be more collaborative in the beginning of a relationship, right? So last year, it was a, an entirely new coaching staff. And this year, like things went well in year one with that coaching staff. So there's no reason for things to have uh, turn sour like they did over the course of the, uh, the Peterson-Roseman marriage. Um, as for last uh, draft cycle, my understanding is, is um, it was a little bit more open. It was a little bit less siloed and there was more insight um, across uh, divisions about like what was going on and what the process was. And uh, it was a little bit more collaborative. But I don't have I don't have concrete examples of that.
4: Yeah. Now, as as we wrote about the 2020 draft was unique in the in the format, obviously. Right. Uh, that's and, true. and so the fact that they were together there now, there's there were suggestions that, you know, you heard behind the scenes that last year was 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 more of a scouting staff draft. Um, again, like that's something that said, I, I, I don't know the. I, I I don't want to kind of speak out of turn while you know but what we do know uh and some of it might be revisionist history but some of it might be legitimate was in 2020 there was uh you know the uh, the the coaching staff had an influence obviously in a lot of the picks there there were uh really surprise picks and um it certainly sounds last year like there was more reliance on the draft board that they had
3: And I feel like if I was a scout, I would like, I would be a little bit worried about all the talk that Howie has had this off season about uh, like incorporate, like drafting for the coaches and incorporating the coaches into the process. Like it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. I I said it at the time, especially like last year's was one of their best drafts in a
4: very long time. Why would you want to do anything different? I wholeheartedly agree. And, and like you, like we've discussed, there are, Two parts of this. First off, it kind of creates this like convenient excuse. Well, we drafted yes. the guys for the coaches. Number one, right. and number two, it's not rectifying previous mistakes. Like what you should do is draft the best guys who like fit what you're doing within reason, right? Like don't draft um, a player who you would never use, but right. draft the best players and trust the coaching staff to, to, to find ways to make them work within what they want to do. And and if I think if Sirianni and the Offensive staff showed anything last year, and frankly, the defensive staff made adjustments too. It's that they would adjust to their personnel as the season progressed. So you should have confidence that they can look at their roster and figure out how to use them.
3: All right, we go to uh, Nate G on the line now. Nate G, how's it going?
5: Uh, good. You can hear me. We can hear you. Excellent. I am curious where you guys think Derek Barnett is going to end up signing. And I'll be honest, I'm worried that he may re-sign with the Eagles on a low <laughs> deal. Zach. If he's, I really uh, am not a big Derek Barnett fan,
3: and I would like you to talk me out of the idea that how he wants to bring that first-round pick he uh, he made back. Well, you and Zach will have to commiserate uh, if that happens. I, you have you. No,
4: I have no, I nothing. <laughs> uh,
3: I don't know. I I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if if they wait out the market and it, you know bring him back on it on a inexpensive one-year deal so he can rebuild his market you know they still need bodies on, at defensive end especially if a, if Hassan Redick is going to be um you know moonlighting as a Sam linebacker and not just being an edge rusher um I I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world but but it, it really just depends on the price
4: yeah I mean I it would surprise me at this point um you know they like you said they signed Redick it's not a a one-for-one match but, you know, they're bringing Graham back. I'm expecting them to draft an edge rusher. Now, an interesting development today, uh, I'm sure some of you saw on social media, David Ajabo went down at Michigan's Pro Day. We we obviously, we don't know the prognosis or even the diagnosis yet. But uh, that could, you know, materially affect, like, the the edge rushers that are there who you'd want in the first round if if that's a series if that's like a sydney jones situation
3: right so well uh, speaking of sydney jones we know that shield was famously at that sydney jones pro day i haven't heard from shield today was he in was he in ann arbor <laughs>
4: that's a good question we should text him and find out
3: and do you think that howie roseman would would do the same thing he did Do you think he would take david ojabo in the second round and do the exact same thing with sydney jones
4: I suppose it depends what your medical staff says, right? And and again, I, I don't know if, if if I don't know the nature of his injury yet. Um, you know, there's there's a few sides to it. Last year, they take Landon Dickerson early in the second round when the thought was that uh, now perhaps he he would have been there if he was healthy too. But it, it certainly sounded like he dropped a bit because of the injury. ACLs are different than Achilles tendons injuries, so we need to see what the injury might be. I, I simply don't know what the injury is. Um, but 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 that's where you talk to your medical staff. Mm. And I, 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 I think, too, with the the part with Sidney Jones and I can't get in, inside his head, but it certainly seemed that the injury affected him, not just physically, but, you know, his his confidence level when he returned. Mm.
3: Thank you for the question, Nate. Uh, let's go to Louis G. Louis G, you're in the room. You're on stage.
2: Hi, guys. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Howie has previously stated safeties are one of the tougher positions to evaluate throughout the draft process. He so has. With that, is it more likely – thank you, Zach. Is it more likely they sign one guy and hope that Omar Epps's cousin Marcus takes another <laughs> step or they <laughs> draft a guy they can develop or – I would assume all three are probably on the table.
3: Yeah, my expectation entering free agency was that they were more likely to make a splash at safety and not address it in the draft than they were to uh, use a you know first two-round pick uh, on the position because of what you said. I mean, they have, had, they have had success in free agency signing safeties, whether that's Malcolm Jenkins or, or Rodney McLeod, uh, and their success drafting safeties is pretty spotty. Um, so that was my expectation. But if things work out where they just, uh, you know, they just bring back one of the uh, pair of older guys like McLeod or, or Anthony Harris, they bring back uh, Omar Epps, as you said, and like, I don't know, some other middling veteran, maybe they would spend a, a premium pick on it in the draft. But but I, I, think, that, I think there is something to Howie not feeling super confident about uh, their ability to identify safeties in the draft.
4: Yeah, um, no, that's it's a it's it's a really good point, and it's not an amazing safety, or it's not a great safety draft class either. It was thought to be a, a really good safety free agency class. I thought they were going to come away with, you know, with uh, one of these kind of uh, bigger name safeties in, in in free agency, which clearly hasn't happened yet. Um, so. They could look at the draft. There are a few guys that I like. I, I like Dax Hill, for instance, from, from from Michigan. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, of course um, you do. But, um, but uh, it, it, there's a lot of projection with – there's more projection with draft safeties and free agent safeties. And I, I, I think that's kind of why they've gone more of the free agency route because they do feel that's a harder position to evaluate in college.
3: Thank you for the question, Louie. All right, Jacory P. Jacory P. You're on stage.
1: How you guys doing?
3: We're doing well. How are you?
1: Good, good. Um, I was seeing that. Um, I'm thinking, I'm predicting that we're gonna take a receiver in the draft, probably at 16 or 19. Most likely, it's gonna be a trailing Burst because I heard um, Ann Morehead was running mostly the drills with him um at his pro day, so I think we're gonna go with him um in the draft. Um, I would like you guys thoughts on that, and I had another question too.
3: What's your What's your other question?
5: I'm my bang, other bang question,
1: my, my other question is, I think we're gonna go with a younger safety like Sean Elliott or Trademont, uh Edmonds. I think it won't cost that much, maybe on a one-year, two-year deal. And um, I'm also thinking that we're probably gonna take a um, a defensive tackle, probably not from not Jordan Davis. I think it's gonna be the other guy. Uh, Devonte white because i've seen like uh we're inviting him here to, um in philadelphia for like a visit so mm-hmm. so like i said i think we're going to replenish the line so um and yeah and i think um are we are we in the veteran um corner market too or that's just like a rumor that's all thank you thank you for the questions to uh i'll start
3: with the the last question uh the corner thing is interesting because obviously there's a big hole as the second starting cornerback opposite Darius Slay. But I think the Eagles are sort of content to see how free agency plays out, uh, wait things out, as they did last year when they signed Steven Nelson in the summer. Um, They've got so many young guys depth-wise that they added last year, um, sort of in anticipation of this offseason. I think they want to get a look at those guys, maybe let Zach McPherson have shot one. And then there's also a chance that they draft a corner in the first two rounds, and that becomes that becomes the starter. But I, I think there's no rush for them uh, to make a move there. Um, there was the uh, the defensive tackle question, and the Traylon Burks question. You want to take Traylon Burks, Zach? I know you're a big Traylon Burks guy.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I I am a uh, a Traylon Burks guy. I, I I know that there's people who are a little sour on him after the combine, but to me, he's a really unique player. He, the production was off the charts in in the SEC. Um, you know, if if you're going to bring him down because of his combine metrics, I, I, I would say, like, just just look at, at, at the production that he had. Um, and uh, uh, I think he would be an intriguing option in the first round uh, because of the different ways you can use him. Now, again, you need to be a little creative as a play caller sometimes, um, but and I don't want to compare anyone to Debo Samuel. But if they came away with with, uh, Traylon Burks in the first round, I wouldn't bash that pick. Mm.
3: All right, let's go to uh, Chris S. Chris S., you're on.
0: Hey,
2: guys. Can you hear What's me? Up, Chris? Yes, we got you. So during draft season, I love to pass time at work by, like, clicking on as many uh, mock drafts as I can and, like, getting really mad or really excited about them. <laughs> Very relatable. And One One thing that never fails to make me mad right now is when I see – Projections for the Eagles to take Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, and I think well, I backed up. I think I back that up by thinking that because they have Jeff Stoutland, who like can work magic with later round linemen, that it's a waste of a uh, good resource to take an interior lineman with that high of a pick. I'm wondering, first of all, if that is um, good logic. Um, that can be applied, you know, across positions. If you have a really good coach that you think can coach guys up, if you would like shift around your use of resources like that. And if so, more broadly, like if, if maybe coming down the pipeline is like paying assistant coaches like that more money because Mm -hmm. they don't have to count against the cap and you can trust them to develop guys um, into more than they would be with just an average coaching staff. I think
3: that's a good question, uh, especially on guys like Stoutland, and I think like I think there is a real value that he brings to the Eagles, uh, like in terms of delta over other offensive linemen. I'm totally with you on on uh, Linderbaum. I, I said this during the combine, uh, and that was before Jason Kelsey said he was coming back. Like it makes no sense to me for the Eagles to use a first-round pick on on a center. Um, I think the need to replace Kelsey is overstated. They've got Landon Dickerson and Isaac Sayamala, who can both, uh, potentially play center. Uh, behind those guys, in terms of interior offensive linemen, and, like you've got Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig, who, who have shown that they can be fine, uh, under Jeff Stoutlin. So, like, the need for an offensive, an interior offensive lineman, I think is really overstated by, uh, like outside people who aren't paying too much attention to the Eagles. So I'm with you. Uh, I think I said it at the, uh, at the combine. If I see a, a mock draft with Linderbaum mock to the Eagles. I just click out. That's it for me. Uh, so we are, we are very uh, simpatico as far as that is
4: concerned. Yeah, I agree with, with that part. It would surprise me if they took Linderbaum. Now, if it's a different offensive lineman, you know, I, I, I would never say never because of the way they value the position, but I still don't anticipate that happening. I I, I know I did a, combined or I I I did a mock draft at one point that that had Kenyon Green and he plays four positions on the offensive line like he played four positions at Texas A and M and and that's someone who long term could be appealing because you you have a handful of guys if he's a high level player you don't pass up on them. but it would surprise me if they took the center and I I it would shock me if they if they took Linda Bond there as far as the second part of the question I think there's a certain amount of hubris to think that like you know your position coaches are are so good that, um, you, you know, that that's, that's going to be the difference. The difference is good players, right? And I give just Allen a lot of credit for, for what he's done when they've had injuries at developing players. Uh, but teams with the best players often win. And, and so uh, I would say just go and find the best players and um, don't have the hubris that, 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 that your staff is so good at, at developing these players that you can get by not uh, prioritizing the best players or a certain position.
3: Thank you for the questions, Chris. All right, Zach, why don't we do, why don't we do two more, and then we'll uh, wrap this bad boy up. So let's go to uh, Matt S. got to be Matt Schneidman, who must be a busy man, but he wants to join us anyway. What's up, fellas? Love the pod. Love your work on The Athletic. Wish the New York Times overlords hadn't put the gibosh on Z-Verm and the Wolf. But here we are. <laughs> Thanks for saying so. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping you guys can give some perspective on where the front office's head is at as we sit here at the end of the first, basically at the end of the first week of free agency. Not to go all WIP on you, but by my count, we're still missing three quarters of a starting secondary, you know, two linebacker, <laughs> wide receiver. I mean, like, what are, what are we doing? You guys wrote a great back and forth a couple of weeks ago on a bunch of free agents they could be in on. And obviously there's a consensus. Redick was was a hit. But we're a weekend, they've done nothing else, and don't tell me it's a trade for Zach's high school nemesis, Matt Ryan, right? Um, <laughs> what What are we doing? Reframe our expectations versus where you guys thought they'd be five
5: days
4: in.
0: Yeah,
4: I'll jump in here. Yeah, so I, I, I thought they would have more players by now. Um, I wouldn't be up in arms by what your depth chart looks like on March 18th, because – they did sign someone to 15 million dollars a year. Right. And and then I, I think after, after after that, they could go for, I don't want to say value shopping, but, you know, you're 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 not shopping at that the, on the top shelf at that point. Right. So uh, I, it would really surprise me if they go into the draft with these types of pressing needs. There are six weeks or so until the draft. There's ample time. For them to add players, they can do the second wave. They can do the third wave. They can do trades. I think back to 2000. They could do the fourth wave. Yeah, fourth wave. I mean, what Howie will tell you is is like they signed Garrett Blunt after the draft that year. They traded for Ronald Darby during training camp. I'm not even saying wait wait that long, but you know they they signed Chris Long and Patrick Robinson, I believe, on March 26th that year. Um, they traded for Tim Jernigan in April, right? There's there's um. There's time before the draft to address some of these needs uh, that I wouldn't be too worried yet. If we're doing a live room on April 25th and they have these needs, then that's a problem. I know that's right.
3: (laughs) Very nice. And uh, and Zach, if you just uh, or uh, Matt, if you if you weren't here in the very beginning of this uh, live room, Zach sort of teased that the Eagles are are likely to make a move here uh, in the secondary, bringing somebody back. Uh, so that's one spot potentially filled as I sit here and just look at, uh, you know, uh, Denise, uh, the D has this, the tracker of all the free agents on his Twitter feed. And you, if you pull it up, like certain positions are still, uh, like there are a ton of guys available and linebacker is one of those positions. I would be surprised if the Eagles don't sign a starting caliber veteran linebacker to potentially pair with TJ Edwards heading into the draft. Um, and then I think, like, I still think they might make another move at safety. I think they might make another move for another veteran defensive end. And then what happens to wide receiver, I think, who knows. But, like, it might – maybe it will just be Zach Paschal.
4: Jeez, Zach Paschal's really taking it.
3: Well, I mean, You're it's, tough, so it's tough when, like, uh, the the only time he's linked – like, the selling point of Zach Paschal is Nick Sirianni loves him. It's not like he does this and this and this. It's it's Nick yeah. Sirianni's favorite, Zach Paschal.
4: It's kind of like Chase. It's it's kind of like when the Eagles signed Chase Daniel back in 2016. Like that or, was well, Sirianni, or uh, it was Doug Peterson. Loves him. Yeah. He's like a rich man's Will Murphy. <laughs> I mean, you have to really be interested in training camp rosters from 2013 to understand that one.
3: Well, I feel like if people are 50 minutes into this live room, they they might be that degree of sicko. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, thank you for the questions, Matt. Let's uh, let's close things out here with Jake N. Jake. You are uh, you are our uh, our closer, as it were, here. So give us a good one.
2: All right, mate. Um
3: oh, guys, just quickly. Um, oh, an accent. All right. We, <laughs> um, yeah, we see obviously last year with our run game taken off to the next level um obviously with all the injuries and rumors surrounding miles going forward um i've seen a couple of mocks in the last couple of weeks with us taking uh, a running back quite early on what do you what do you think regarding that going forward and where do you see miles's future i think that's good business for the eagles to draft a running back in something like the third fourth or even fifth round um I would not be interested in retaining Miles Sanders after the season. I would, uh, I mean, I know that, that like the, the running backs don't matter conversation can get a little tiresome and a little bit impersonal. uh Like you're just running these guys into the ground, but it is not good business to sign running backs to second contracts. And beyond that, like, I think there's, there's question about like how good Miles Sanders is for this, for this offense. I mean, so you compare him to Jordan Howard and, Boston Scott last year, and he's got, you know, he's got better yards per carry, but he's also like the success rate, uh, he's the worst. And so it's like the, the, the numbers back up the eye test where Miles Sanders is like more likely to bust a big play, but he's much less consistent. He's more likely to miss, uh, open holes. And I feel like in this offense where, uh, theoretically, like with Jalen Hurts, there, there should be more. Uh, like there should be more openings for like for uh, consistent production at the running back position. I feel like uh, Miles Sanders might not be the best fit.
4: We'll see in terms of the fit. He, I mean, he he does need to stay healthy. The the numbers when he's on the field uh, are are good. But I, I hear you in terms of fit. What I I will say is, um, a players like a players allowed to play out their contract. I I think there's often a, a rush to have to make that decision on a player like you're like either extend him or trade him no if 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 he's your starting running back this year and you don't resign him um it's still i mean that's 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 fine to have a guy for four years right so uh, Yeah. yeah so so i i i don't think there needs to be certainty about his future i think it's it's totally acceptable to have him as your starting running back this year draft somebody um in you know a middle round and then see where you stand a year from now and if you have to draft a running back in the second round a year from now you go and you do it right it, it is a position where you where you can find guys in, in round two or or round three but i don't think it's like it's like binary either give them an extension or trade them i think it's totally fine to have a player on a contract here
3: oh i totally agree with that yeah. yeah i i mean i would just go in with every expectation that this is his last year with the team.
4: sure sure i agree so do you think right. then,
3: with with us leaving, with us uh, letting Boston Scott go, do you think we're going to see um, more of Kenny G this year? Then is that is that the the idea? I think that should be the expectation. That yeah, right I, I, go I, I like think that.
4: they'll add to that position, right? Like if 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 they don't bring Scott back on on a on a lower than tender contract, like I I didn't think they should have given him, I I didn't think they should have given him the RFA tender. You, you don't need to pay him two and a half million. But I would expect them to add someone in the draft. And I mean, if, if you take, let's say, Isaiah Spiller in the third round, right, um, and he turns into uh, a really intriguing player in training camp, then he might be the guy who gets carries over uh, Kenny Gainwell. So, so Kenny Gainwell was, what, a fifth-round pick last year? I don't think it's, it's, it's like necessarily he's, he needs to be the number two next year. I think that that's a position they can add during the draft and they can find good value.
3: No, but I think I think the expectation should be that he'll be what they what he was at the beginning of last season, role wise. Oh, sure. When Boston Scott was was on
4: the bench, right? Sure. Like, yeah.
3: yeah. Now, yeah. very quickly, Zach, is it is it Boston Scott or Scott Boston?
4: It's Boston Scott.
3: Okay, great. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. Yeah. And thank you for the question, Jake, and thank you to everybody else uh, who asked questions and joined us on the stage. Uh, that'll uh, that'll wrap this bad boy up. Zach, uh, I think you've got uh, you got some news to break. Do what? No, not right now. But I like we, as we go, you got to work on, on, uh, like getting yeah. this, getting this bad boy down.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work and trying to lock down some uh, news here. But I, you know, I, I would emphasize to our listeners, to our readers, that it's, it's, it's March 18th, and there's a lot for us to cover in these next few days and weeks.
3: What's your, uh, what's your favorite bet for the rest of the, uh,
4: the, the basketball games today? Nothing in my BetMGM MGM account. I would say that. Right. Um I, I didn't have a great day uh yesterday. Um uh no, I mean we'll we'll uh on the next Birds with Friends, I will I will come at you with some more. Now, what's the score in the Auburn game? That's a team that I didn't think was getting enough shine going into the uh tournament.
3: It was very close. It was like a one point game, okay. like uh fifteen minutes through the first half, but I think Auburn has started to pull away.
4: Gotcha. Auburn, okay. yeah. Yeah. Auburn's up. Auburn's up twenty points. Uh, in the same yeah. Game. I mean, I I liked Colorado State on the on, on the money line yesterday. Didn't like. Uh, how about today? I I I think uh, I think Miami an interesting team today. Um, and then. Uh, I like
3: Virginia Tech today.
4: Do you? Could okay. Virginia Tech and,
3: against Texas. T- against Chris Beard, tough tough matchup. But I like Virginia yes. Tech. Yeah. Okay. That's
4: all I got. We'll see. All right, Zach. So. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, but I I love this. I I love this time of year. So it's, it's it's gonna be fun watching basketball today and tonight.
3: Yes, it'll be a good time, and uh, maybe we'll have some more Eagles games to talk about. So, uh, for Zach and everybody else uh, listening, I'm Bo. Thanks for joining us, and uh, as always,
2: we love you.